I saw myself in him. I am a spitting image of this man. And I just, I'm shaking. I'm sick. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 152. And in the next week or two, I will be recording a special episode with Don Anderson from Missing Pieces of NPE Life, also an NPE podcast. It's amazing. If you haven't heard it, please check it out. Listen to it. Uh, Don is an NPE and he has been a documentary filmmaker for decades, so he um, produces a wonderful show, and he had a great idea we are doing together. I don't want to give too much of it away, but be prepared for that. I think it will include spouses of NPEs. It will probably be on his podcast, so I will direct you to his show when it goes live, and I may try to grab the audio and post it here as well. But please, in the meantime, check out his podcast, Missing Pieces, NPE Life. All right. And today we are going to listen to an NPE story. And today I have on Sydney. Hi, Sydney. Hello, Lily. Thank you for setting the time aside to do this with me today. Of course. I'm happy to be on here today. I hope it wasn't too long of a wait. I haven't checked the the podcast wait list yet, but I do feel it was probably still what was it? A year? I think it was about a, yeah, about a year. No, it was it was good. A lot has happened since then, so I just have more to add to the story. Okay, good. That's the that's what I'm hoping the attitude will be yeah. is is when you wait so long, you're like, "Well, now I'll just have more to it." Yes, there's been quite a bit that happened, so it's it's all good. Well, I don't know anything about your story. I know you wrote me an email a while back. So why don't you start from the beginning and let me know about your your family of origin and we'll take it from there. All right. Um, I grew up in eastern Washington in a small mining and logging town. It was just your basic country childhood playing in the creek. My dad's parents lived across the field. We were there all the time. And it was just a nice little town that I grew up in. I'm the fifth generation here in this town. So that's been really cool to learn the history of my family being here and everything. But um, I always did feel like the black sheep of the family, which a lot of a lot of us have felt. I have two sisters. I have one that's 18 months younger than me and one that's 12 years younger than me. So I grew up with them and I always noticed that I didn't quite fit in with my dad's side of the family. And I mean, I just always hung out with the adults because I didn't have anything in common with my cousins. So it was just kind of, it was a little bit lonely sometimes. 
But I got along great with my mom's side of the family. I was more like them. So I just took it as, oh, well, I'm just like mom. I'm not like dad. And that's okay. Dad and I didn't have the best relationship. He uh, was young when we um, when he had all of us. And so it was... He grew up a lot when um, he had my youngest sister, so I'm glad she had the version of him that we all should have. But I didn't want for anything, and it was just, we just didn't have the best relationship. It got better once I wasn't under his roof. All right, so um, how I found out I was an NPE was um, my husband actually did an ancestry kit first because he knew nothing of how of his ethnicity, his grandma always told him things, but she was a bit of a compulsive liar. So we never could quite believe what she said. So he just decided to do it and get, you know, get the truth. So he did that and he found some great aunts that he connected with in Florida and talked to them on the phone. And it was just a really great experience for him. And on top of that, we always had this joke of, he's more Irish than me because I was raised by with my grandma always saying, Oh, we are almost full Irish. And so I really took pride in that. I mean, I have a giant four leaf clover on my hip. Mm-hmm. And so we just um, always had this running joke. He said, well, I bet I'm more Irish than you. So it was um, the year of COVID. I believe I took it in June of uh, 2020 and um, took the kit got it back, and I was only like 5% Irish or something. So it was just this running joke with him, like, haha, I'm more Irish than you. And it was just a funny thing with us. And so I told my family about it, and everybody acted so cold with me about it. I mean, my grandma that said we were Irish, she's like, oh, well, those things are wrong all the time. And just wouldn't really talk to me about it. I went to my parents to show them all of my results. And they just told me I was crazy. How could you do something like that? You know, the whole conspiracy theories of your DNA being in the system and all that stuff. And so then I looked into my matches. And I saw this woman named Tony, who was a close relative or close family. And then this um, woman named Michaela as our first cousin. And I didn't know who either of those people were. And so I asked my parents. And they didn't know who they were. They just said it was an error in the system. Who knows? Those could just be our distant cousins. Because I do have a cousin named Tony that's like a third cousin on my mom's side. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, that must be that must be her. But it never quite sat right with me. I always just felt like something was off. And every time I'd bring it up to them... It was just rejection. And finally, I brought it to my aunt, my dad's sister. Um, We worked together at the school locally, and I asked her about it and asked her who these people were. And she was just as cold and just kind of ignored me, and I took it as, oh, well, maybe she's just having a bad day. So I um, just kind of, I let it go a year. And I would, you know, every so often take a look and... Nothing had changed, no new family added. So, um, but like I said, it never sit right. So one evening my husband was on night shift, the kids were in bed and I was like, okay, I'm going to look into these matches. I'm going to see what's really going on. And I could find my mom's side, both sides of her family. I could find people that I knew, names that I recognized, everything, but I could not find any names on my dad's side that I, um, 
that I recognized. So I went back to them. I'm like, okay, why, why can't I find any names? And my dad's like, well, nobody on my family would do that. You know, yeah, you're crazy for doing this. And just the same stuff they said before. So um, that was probably July or so I talked to them of uh, 20, or 2021. So then September rolls around and my dad's best friends came up from the coast. And they are great people. I've known them my entire life. They're people I've been closer to his best friend than I had been my dad my whole life. And so then they were up visiting and I um, went over there and with my kids and was talking to them about the ancestry results. And my mom just got really weird. And she's like, well, I'm going to go take the kids for a walk. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, go take the kids. And so once she left, I was talking to them and I was like, okay, my parents are acting super weird. Anytime I bring this up, they are not giving me answers and they're just acting weird. And Dale, he's, um, I call him my uncle. He um, kind of looked around all weird. And he's like, well, I'm going to go get some exercise with those kids. And my stomach sank because I knew something was wrong. So he left. I talked to his wife a little bit and she's very inquisitive and was asking me questions. But I could just tell something was weird. So then I kind of talked to my husband about it and and we joked ever since I took my ancestry results and that I couldn't find any matches on his side. He's like, oh, well, I bet he's not your biological father. And it was just like the stupid joke we did, you know, when dad pissed me off, he'd say that or something. And so I uh, went to school. It was a, um, a Thursday. Went to school and I... Uh, was talking to my best friend who works with me and a couple other friends. And one of the ladies I work with actually graduated with my mom. So she's been in uh, my town forever. And so we were just kind of talking about it. And I was just telling them my concerns and everything. And my friend Amanda, she's like, okay, let's figure this out. Bring up your app. Let's look at this. Let's figure this stuff out. So, and at that point, I hadn't looked into what centimorgans were or what percentage of DNA meant or anything like that. So I brought it up and we clicked on my aunt's um, or who I find as my aunt's profile. And um, she's like, okay, this is a 24% DNA match. That is a lot of DNA to be related to somebody. And something just clicked. I was like, holy cow, there's, there's something wrong here. And so we figured out that she, based on the centimorgans, would either be a half-sister or an aunt. And based on her age, it would be probably an aunt because we figured my mom hadn't had an affair with some older guy or something. So we just figured that was the most plausible thing. And we've we clicked on her picture and my friend Jana, she's like, you look like her. And I was like, okay, this is weird. So we found her on Facebook and we um, were going through her pictures, and the more pictures we see, the more I they can see the resemblance. And thank goodness I didn't have any kids I had to work with that day because I was a mess. <laughs> we just sitting, we locked the door to my room, and the three of us just kind of dug deep into this. And um, so then we we're going through the all the stuff, and then I find a picture of her. And her brother at their dad's memorial service. 
And I was like, holy cow, guys, she has a brother. And they're like, okay, bring the picture up. And so I showed it. And I saw myself in him. I am a spitting image of this man. And I just, I'm shaking. I'm sick. So then we kind of, you know, talk it through and everything. And then my friend Christy comes in, another one of my coworkers who actually worked with my mom at the courthouse for 20 years. And so I asked her, I was like, have you ever heard a rumor that my dad isn't my dad? And she just dropped her head. And uh, I was like, no, you tell me. Because we have the type of friendship, we are honest with each other, you tell me what you know. And she's like, yes. I heard that rumor years and years ago, but I just thought it was a rumor. I didn't take any stock in it. So luckily at that point, it was the end of the day. And um, then I got to my car and I emailed um, on Ancestry, my uh, Tony, my aunt. And I said, okay, these are my parents' name. I can't figure out how we're related. Do you have any answers for me? So I go home and at that point... Our landline is down. We don't have any internet service because we're waiting on a list to get some. I'm in a black hole of no service. So I have no way to do any more research, no way to do anything. So I get home and I tell my husband everything and I'm just breaking down. And he's like, okay, you don't have definitive proof. We don't know everything. We don't know what's going on. Don't freak out. We don't have answers yet. So don't stress you know, just don't just pretty much calm down because I was a wreck. And we got invited to his parents that night for dinner. And I really didn't want to go. But um, I went and I was like, well, if I'm going, I'm drinking. <laughs> so I grabbed my cooler with all my white claws and we went and I was, you know, glad we kind of went because they had internet I could use to see if, you know, do more research. And we're sitting down on the love seat, my husband and I and just visiting and I checked my phone and she responded to me and I, I couldn't breathe. So he's like, you need to open that. So I open it and she says, I have the answers to your questions, but you have to make sure you really want them. Please feel free to call me if you want answers. And I went numb. I started freaking out. My husband's like, go outside because we had my kids there. We didn't want to freak them out. So I run outside and I'm pacing. My hands are on my head. I can't breathe. And my hands and feet are numb. I'm just saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, over and over again. And finally, my husband comes out and he looks, he looks terrified. And he just kind of grabs me and just shakes me because I wasn't breathing. And then he just pulls me into a hug and I just break down. And so we talk about it, you know, try to figure out what to do. He tells me to call my best friend, Amanda, who had helped me figure it out. So I called her, but she was at a basketball game for her daughter, so she wasn't able to talk. And um, so I went inside to talk to my mother-in-law because um, my fa- or my um, brother-in-law, uh, my husband's brother, He didn't find out who his biological father was until he was 14. He was raised thinking my father-in-law was his, um, his dad. And they told him when he was 14 that, um, he wasn't his dad and his dad was in prison and all this stuff. And so I, 
knew that she would kind of know how I felt because she'd been on the other end of it. And I was like, what do I do? And she's like, you need to go talk to your mom. I'm like, why should I? This woman has lied to me for 31 years. I have lived a lie. Why should I talk to her? And she's like, you don't know what, what happened. You need to go talk to her. So I was there for probably a half hour and I went, decided to just go confront my parents. So I lived about 15 minutes away or they lived about 15 minutes from where I was. And so I drove there by myself, which looking back on it, I wish I would have brought my husband with me. But at the time I thought it something I needed to do on my own. So I walk in and my mom's sitting in her chair on her Kindle And I was like, I emailed Tony and told her her last name. And she's like, well, I don't know who that is. I'm like, well, this was her maiden name. Does that ring a bell? And she just went white. And she set her Kindle down and said, okay, we need to talk. And she told me the story of how she met my biological father at work. And he drank too much, smoked too much pot. And um, she got pregnant. And he, I guess, was married at the time to um, this other woman. And I don't know if they were separated at the time or what, but mom says she didn't know he was married and they got into a relationship and he actually lived with her and her friend and all this. And she's like, you know, I, you call me a stupid bitch if you want. I will tell you everything. This is the only skeleton I have in my closet. And I am just sitting there staring at the ground, just, I mean, I'm not even crying at this point because I am in utter shock. And so we talk a little bit and I get up to go to the bathroom and she goes, well, I'm going to bring your dad up because he was downstairs. So he comes up and we talk about the whole thing and he goes, you know, they kind of tell me the gist of what happened back then and how um, she was a single mom with me and she uh, met my dad through um, her sister and everything, and they got together. And by the time I was seven months old, um, my mom went to my biological dad and had him sign his rights away to me so that um, my dad could adopt me. And um, so I I start asking questions, and she's kind of vague with the answers. And then she tells me, I have a sister. And that was a punch to the gut knowing that I had another sister out there because, I mean, I got along fine with the other two sisters I was raised with, but I wasn't like them. I mean, we were, I mean, we were just sisters. I wasn't really, you know, we didn't have anything in common really. I was just kind of the outcast black sheep. And um, so we talked and everything. And then finally I just, I had enough. So I just said I was leaving. I went back to pick up my family at my mother-in-law's. And um, just went home and just cried for the whole night. And then I I stupidly decided to go to work the next day. And uh, I walk in and my three friends are sitting there waiting for me, which I thought was really sweet. And I told them the whole story and everything. And then another one of my coworkers uh, was in there. And so I kind of told her what was going on. And I was fine a lot of that day, but then there's, I mean, it was like waves. It would just hit me out of nowhere and I would just lose it. And luckily I was able to control myself because 
I'm a parent educator, so I'm surrounded by children out at recess, and I didn't want to be an emotional wreck. So I was able to hold it until I got into the staff lounge, and I just broke down. And the other coworker that was in there that morning, she's like, what are you most upset about? The fact that you were lied to or the fact that he's not your biological dad? I'm like, well, both. I mean, it's like there's kind of a toss-up of which one is worse. And she um, actually went to my aunt, who works up at the office, and she said, Sydney knows. She knows the truth. You are her aunt. You need to talk to her. And so then my friend Amanda came to me later. She's like, I think Amy knows that you know because she's asking me how you are and being really weird. So I went up there at the end of the day and she told me, you know, what she knew and just that they were all said to not say a word to me. They were told to keep their mouth shut and um, that they would be disowned if they were to ever say anything. And I guess um, my dad's mom, she was my advocate my whole childhood. She told them, you need to tell her the truth. You need to tell her the truth. And she was pretty much just told to shut her mouth or you're going to be out of our lives. So then um, went home that night. That was a Friday. And that Saturday, um, I decided it was time to call my aunt and get that side of the story. So then I um, tried to call her. She wasn't answering. So I went home and my mom had um, gotten my son to um, go play with my nephew. And one thing I forgot to mention is a month prior to my discovery, we moved in across the street from my parents. So it was really hard to be that close to them Mm -hmm. during this whole time. And so I went over to go get my son. He was playing with my nephew. And then finally I'm like, okay, mom, I need some answers. So I asked her, you know, where'd you guys meet? What, you know, trying to get any details I could. She got mad at me anytime I asked anything, just short, sharp answers. And I was just so fed up at that point because she promised, I'll tell you anything. Then my aunt Tony is texting me at that point because um, I was, she had my number. So we were texting before we could talk to each other. And um, she's like, okay, when is your birthday? So I told her and she's like, I am pretty sure I held you when you were about three years old. So I asked my mom and I was like, what, what is this about? And she's like, I don't know who this lady is. She's crazy. That never happened. You haven't had any contact with that family since you were like five months old and just all just lies. So then I text her and I'm like, my mom says I haven't had any contact with you. And she's like, I am almost positive. I have a picture of holding you when you were three years old. And I was like, okay, well, I would love to see that picture if you, in fact, have it. Then my sister shows up to uh, get um, her son. And she has always known to, she's always been able to tell me or tell when something's wrong with me. And she just looked at me and she's like, what's wrong? I was like, I'll talk to you later about it. And I just walked away because I, I couldn't talk about it. And so I'm walking across the street to go home and her husband is driving by and she just pretty much jumps out of the rig and says, no, I'm staying here until you tell me what's wrong. And so I was like, well, I think mom needs to be a part of this conversation. And um, so mom comes down and talks to us and mom tells her. And then mom is just hysterically bawling, acting like the victim and all of it. And I am 
I'm just stunned. Like, I don't have any tears. I'm just looking at her like, are you fucking kidding me? You're really going to play the victim right now? And so then my sister, who is an empath, she just clung on to my mom's emotions and was comforting her. And finally at the point, I'm like, I got to go because I couldn't, I couldn't handle my mom acting like that anymore. And I asked my sister, I'm like, okay, why don't you come next door and we can talk? And she's like, no, I need to go talk to mom. Mm. And so I was like, okay, fine. So I went next door and everything. And then um, the next morning we were able to talk because I was dropping my daughter off for her to watch while um, I went to work. And then uh, she apologized for doing that and everything. So at least, you know, she knew she was in the wrong there. My husband asked if he um, could call Tim, who is my biological dad, because I told Tony, I was like, okay, I want to meet everybody. I was like, I can't just sit in this limbo of not knowing who you are. So um, we were trying to figure out a date that would work for all of us. And we figured out a a Sunday that I could travel to them. They were about two and a half hours from from where I was. And my husband's like, okay, I need to talk to Tim before you meet him. And I was like, okay. So I got a hold of Tony and I asked um, for his number to give to Ray. And so Tim was willing to talk to him. And then uh, Ray called him and uh, I guess he asked all the hard questions like, this is what we are told. This is, you know, heard you were abusive, heard you were drunk and you did drugs and just all the stuff. And he was very blunt and he was not nice. He was just trying to get all the answers so then he could protect me in case I needed it and I know I love that so much (laughs) I do too and um Tim was completely honest about everything he's like yes I abandoned them yes I drank too much I did drugs I was not in a good place in my life and he's like I did what I thought was best for Sydney and I signed my rights away he's like but I want to you know have a relationship with her and Ray said, if you aren't, or if you ever hurt her, that'll be the last thing that you ever do. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, holy cow, babe, like, what are you doing? <laughs> and um, so then um, he said, well, I think, you know, he was honest with me. So I think we should go meet them. So we um, drove over to um, the town they live in and they were, we were meeting at this uh, little Chinese restaurant there. They had a back room that Tim got a table at. And I uh, remember sitting in the hotel room and I just started drinking because I was shaking. I was just a nervous wreck. So I probably had a little too much strength than I should have going to meet them. But um, we took an Uber there and we kind of were standing outside talking and my aunt pulled up because she wanted to be there for me during the whole thing. And so we hugged and visited for a minute and then went inside and I see him sitting there and he stands up, walks over to me. And first thing he says to me was, it looks like you're about to hyperventilate. I'm like, well, obviously, I mean, this is kind of a weird situation. (laughs) And um, so we go and we talk and visit for, oh, probably a good couple hours. And, um, he tells me everything that my mom wouldn't tells me where they work together and everything. And then my um, sister and her family walks in and that was surreal having a girl that looked like me 
because I didn't look like my other two sisters. And then here she is, and we look so similar. And it was just, it was crazy to me to actually look around a room and look like people because I'd never experienced that before. And the night kind of winds down and we, um, they had made a plan for the next morning. We'd go to my aunt's house and have brunch and I'd meet, um, my granny and grandpa and, um, some other, uh, one of my cousins would be there. And so my husband and I go back to the hotel and I'm, I end up messaging Tim and, you know, I say, you know, I'm so happy we're reconnecting. Thank you for everything tonight. You know, looking forward to getting to know you and, um, he responded back how happy he was and how he just had a million thoughts running through his head because he didn't know how everything would play out. He didn't know how I would act towards him. And so the next morning we went to my aunt's and I met my granny and she just started crying when she saw me, which was really cool. Cause I mean, I never like my family isn't emotional. <laughs> so it was nice. You know, it was just weird having or nice having someone that was, you know, emotional and, and happiness. It was the best like three hours I'd had in a long time because I just fit in with these people. We were able to joke right away and laugh and we just had a blast. And when I first walked in, uh, my aunt had a stack of family pictures there. And the one on the very top is her holding me when I'm three years old and my mom sitting next to us on the couch. Hmm. So I was like, okay, well, I guess my mom was a liar there because she said that Tony was crazy for ever, you know, saying that, but that was me in the picture and it was mom. So, I mean, how, you know, how could she deny that at that point? And so then she went through all the family pictures and told me about all my ancestors and relatives and family stories and, at that point, it was three hours in and we had to go because we had a long travel ahead of us back home. And um, that was 10 days after I made my discoveries when I met them. My mom and dad did not ask me how I was for two weeks until my sister said, you need to talk to her because she's not doing good. So then my mom and I went for a walk and... I told her, I was like, there is a picture of me and Tony and you, like, what is this about? And she um, was like, well, I'm not going to call anyone crazy, but I don't think that's true. And I'm like, what in the hell? There is picture evidence and you're just denying this. I just, it was insane to me how she could be in denial that much. I was a few days later, I was texting my sister. And we were just trying to get to know each other. And she tells me that my mom sent letters and pictures of me to um, her mom until I was seven years old. And um, then one day they got a letter saying, we've decided not to tell Sydney the truth. This will be my last contact with you. So I go over to mom and I ask her about that. And she's like, well, I can maybe see myself doing that for your sister's you know, benefit. But I don't think that actually happened. And I am just astounded at that point of just her just not being honest when she promised that she would. We go over a month later and go see them. And it seems like every month or two we're over there visiting. 
And I'm just building relationships with my family and my sister and I have gotten so close. And it's been amazing getting to know her. And we went camping and boating with uh, my biological dad and his family, um, his uh, fiance and his stepdaughter. And I have all these step siblings that I never knew about. I mean, I have stepbrothers and I never knew what it was like to have a brother. And so it's just been awesome getting to know everybody. And then uh, my kids have fallen in love with them. My son told me, he's like, I want a birthday party with all of my family. And so, I mean, that included Tim and his family and my aunt and granny. And so I tell my mom, I'm like, okay, this is what's going to happen. We're going to have a birthday party here for um, Avery, my son, and uh, they're going to be there. I was like, I do not call him dad, but the kids do call them grandma and grandpa. And I was like, if you don't want to come, I understand, but this is what's happening. They showed up. And um, apparently my dad had a heart-to-heart with my father-in-law about everything, about how he was afraid to lose me and all this stuff. And I'm just like, well, maybe if you'd have a conversation with me about it, you know, maybe you could hear that, you know, you're still my dad. But it's, it's not the same because you lied to me for 31 years. So, I mean, the birthday party went really good. And I sat down next to Tim. Um, And I was like, you know, I think this went really good because the birthday party there was my uh, my Tim's side of the family and then the rest of my family on one side. So you could just kind of see the the line down the middle. (laughs) But um, so I sat next to Tim and I was like, you know, I think this went really good. And he's like, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to sit at a table all together. But just know I always have your back and I'm never leaving. And that was the coolest thing he could have ever said because, I mean, even though we'd, you know, gotten to know each other for eight months, I still always had this fear that he was going to leave and just, you know, I wasn't a part of his life for 31 years. So I was afraid, you know, maybe it'd just be too much trouble and he'd just leave. But that was the, you know, what I needed to hear to be able to trust fully that he wasn't going to leave us, leave my life again. And he's apologized for everything that um, he did. And he said he didn't want to blow up our lives. And um, he just, I had always hoped that his long lost daughter would come to find him one day and that he knew that um, my mom would never tell me the truth. And um, he just hoped that someday I'd figure it out. I know I'm never going to forgive my parents for lying to me and keeping me away from my paternal side of the family because I mean, there's so many times where little things happen to where they could have told me. Like my high school graduation, some one of my mom's friends on this, I was talking to them in town and they said, oh, something about me being adopted. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not adopted. So then I went, um, went to my graduation party and confronted mom. I'm like, am I adopted? And she's like, well, I'm your mom, aren't I? I'm like, well, yeah. She's like, okay, then that's that. And, oh, I forgot a crucial part. <laughs> um, my best friends growing up, they, um, I texted her the day after I found out, and she's acting shocked and surprised. So then, you know, she's just trying to be supportive and talk to me, and then I'm talking to another one of my friends that I grew up with that we were all, the three of us were all real good friends in high school, and 
She is an NPE. She found out seven years ago that the dad that raised her wasn't her biological father. So I was like, well, if anyone's going to understand what I'm feeling, it's going to be her. I'm texting her and talking to her about it. And she's, you know, being real supportive and wanting me to send pictures and telling me, you know, how insane it is that I look just like Tim and all this stuff. And then about five minutes goes by and she's like, Sydney, I have something I need to tell you. I was like, what's that? And she's like, we have always known that your dad wasn't your dad. We've known since about seventh grade. Oh. Yeah. Sydney. Yeah. So that was, that was a big shocker. How many people knew you were an NPE in your life? How many people knew that you were adopted? Probably about 90% of the people in my life. Oh, Sydney, that's terrible. Yeah. But so it's really strained a lot of relationships. Understandably, I would. Oh, that's so I'm so sorry. You must feel so betrayed. Yeah, definitely. And it's been over a year and a half and it still hasn't gotten any easier. Like it's ruined the friendships. Because I know if I would have been in their place, I would have told them. Because growing up, I'd go to them and I'd say, you know, I know my dad loves me because he has to, but I don't think he likes me. And they would, you know, just reassure me and everything. And then I'd leave and they'd talk about whether or not they should tell me. And it was just crazy. And all my aunts, all of my cousins knew. They're like, oh, well, we were going to send you an anonymous letter and tell you the truth, or we always wanted to tell you, but we were afraid of your parents, and things like that. So, I mean, everybody knew, and everybody has defended my parents for what they did. And, oh, they did what was best. Like, no, they didn't. They did what was best for them. They did not do what was best for me. Mm -hmm. And my mental health, my medical history, I had a very hard pregnancy with um, my son. And... Now, I don't know, was that caused just because or was it because of my medical history that I could have known about? And I have severe anxiety and depression. And my mom always treated me like I was like, oh, just shove that down. We don't show feelings. And finally, it got to the point to where I had to do something or else my life was going to implode. And so it's just been insane just putting all the pieces together of the struggles and the little comments here and there and realizing that everybody knew and everybody just didn't say a word. It's like, it starts with one lie, one secret, and then everyone just, everyone just goes with that lie, that secret. And then for the rest of your life, everyone has to, I don't know if they they all have to be secret around you. They can't Mm -hmm. tell you the truth. That is who that I would have felt terrible if so many people knew that. Yeah. It's definitely been a struggle trying to, I mean, and I honestly don't know if I'll ever be able to forgive anybody because I mean, my grandma who my daughter is named after her and I's relationship has changed a ton because she just defends my mom and, oh, well, I knew how he was or Tim was the minute that I met him and just bad-mouthing them, which he did some pretty shitty things. He really did. And he's owned up to all of it. Mm-hmm. And he says I was in a bad place in my life. and 
But the last 20 years of his life, he has done everything he could to be a good person. He has helped um, my stepmom raise five kids. He helped his second wife raise um, another kid. So he has really made up for, you know, technically abandoning me. But he did what he needed to do for me at that time, which I appreciate because, I mean, who knows what life I would have had. Mm-hmm. But at 18, I should have been told. Mm-hmm. I should have been able to find my family. I didn't get to meet my grandfather because of all the lies. And it's did he just, already pass? Yeah, he passed two or three years ago. Oh. So, yeah, it's just, it's really shitty <laughs> what they all did. It is. Was there some sort of paperwork around this uh, adoption or this termination of parental rights with your birth father and then the adoption of your birth certificate father? I don't actually know how that works, if there would have been a paper trail or a change in your birth certificate. There was, yes. Um, I went to um, my district court locally here and I asked for my adoption records. And in Washington State, they're sealed you um once they're sealed you can't get them and um so I filled out a form to get a copy of my original birth certificate and um that took about eight months to get oh my god but yeah but um I I have a copy of it and it says the truth it says who my mom was who my dad is and everything and so yeah then my dad adopted me when my mom says it was soon after they got married, within a month, he adopted me and all this. And But then I look at my birth certificate and it says issued in 1992. So and the answer was right there. I just never noticed. You just didn't. Yeah. If you don't, if you're handed something told it's your birth certificate, you don't know necessarily if it's your original birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your, but your birth father's name is on your original birth certificate, which was which you had to request to get. Yes. Yes. And my adopted dad is on my new birth certificate with him being my father and then my new last name and everything on it. Yeah. Yeah. But how would you ever know to look for that unless you've been told the truth? Mm -hmm, Exactly. So, I mean, it was, it was always there. I just didn't know to look. Oh my gosh. I'm so angry for you on your behalf. (laughs) I I appreciate that. (sighs) I, you know, one of the best things someone told me when I was angry was just to feel your feelings. And one of the worst things someone told you was one of the worst things someone told me in the beginning was, oh, you you need to get over this and and find forgiveness. And I was like, can I just grieve? Can I just can I just be upset about this? Not very many people want wanted me to. So I, I hear you. I feel you. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, thank you. It's definitely been a roller coaster of a year and a half, but it's, Mm. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't change any. I mean, of course I would change, you know, knowing sooner, but I am just so glad I get to build a relationship with them and, and I'm just like them. I fit in so much better with them than I ever have anybody. So it's been a real blessing getting to uh, build those bonds and those relationships. And they were actually supposed to come up yesterday and um come visit and hang out for the day but um my sister that I grew up with knew that I was planning on having them come up and she decided to have her daughter's birthday party and so yeah 
So then I have to reschedule when they could come up and yeah. see me. Oh, and you're, you're young, right? Like, are you early thirties? Yeah. Lesson? 32. Yep. And you still have a granny. That is your dad must have had you young, your birth father. Yeah, he was 21. And wow. my older sister is three years older than me. So he had his kids very young. Okay. And so your sister, your new sister is mm-hmm. three years older than you. Okay. And yes, yes, you said your birth father was married Yes, at the time. Okay. Yep. To her mom. Yeah. And the this is a bit of a side tangent, but since it came up in your story, and I've heard it in my own family from a woman that was pregnant and many other MPE stories, when a woman is pregnant and they have the the birth father, I've heard this again and again, is you know maybe having problems with drugs or alcohol or they consider going through a tough time, the mom makes the decision to not have him be the dad or not be part of their life. Mm-hmm. And that's just insane to me. It's like even if someone is, say, an alcoholic or struggling with uh, substance abuse, since when can we just say, oh, you are not the dad. You're not part of the life of this child. That is, yeah. Oh, Sydney, thank you so much for sharing this story. It's like it has the so many of the hard parts and the, you know, your, your mom with the lies and the betrayal, Mm -hmm. but then it also has the new family relationships you're building as Mm -hmm. well, which is beautiful. I'm glad you're able to do that. Even with the complications of your original family, now your new family, I have to ask the birth, the birthday party that you had in which Mm -hmm. both sides of the family came to, how was your mom at that party with your birth father there? She was very distant. And um, my aunts and my granny actually went up to her and said, oh, it's so nice to see you again, you know, and all the stuff. And she mm-hmm. says she doesn't remember any of them. And she was very uncomfortable during the party, which I was like, good, you should be. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you did this. You're the one that caused this. And we actually had, so that was in July, and then we had my daughter's birthday in October. So I did it again then, and I will continue to do it every year. And they're just going to have to deal with it. Does she ever check in with you or act like remorseful or apologetic or see how you're doing with everything? Never. They pretend, they have pretended it hasn't happened since... Um, two days after my discovery, they don't talk to me about it. They, um, I'll, I make a point to bring up some aspect of my new family when I'm around them, just because I'm being petty and a bitch, <laughs> but mm. it's what I can do for my little revenges. Yeah. But well, I um, don't, I, I don't think it's petty. That's your, yeah. it's your life, your family. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, they, no, they haven't talked to me about it. My dad has not talked to me about it once um, other than that night I found out and my mom, um, I, they, she came over and helped me paint my kitchen in that December. I found out, I found out in September, she came in December and helped me paint in my kitchen. And I asked her, you know, things and she was nice. And she's like, well, this is your life now. You can do what you have to do. And, but she doesn't ask me how I'm doing. She doesn't ask me how any of it is. She mm-hmm. just put her head in the sand and pretends like everything's fine and I 
I put on a good face because I don't want to, you know, disrupt my family life because, I mean, I don't want my kids to have their grandparents. And, I mean, they are my parents, and I know that they thought they did what was best, even though it was wrong. But um, I just have to pretend most times I'm around them. Like, last night, I was like, I don't want to go. And my husband, he's like, we live next door to these people. You have to put on a good face because you wanted this for our kids because that's what you had. You had your grandparents across the road. And you wanted that for our kids. So he's like, I know this is hard and you've been through everything. He's like, but you have to pretend if you want to continue to live next door. He's like, or else we need to move. Because he's like, I'm not going to have um, the the drama and the conflict in our lives. He's like, if we need to move, then that's what we're, what we're going to do. He's like, but either you need to, you know, put on a fake face or we're going to move. So... Um. I'm yeah. sorry you have to do that. You are not alone. There's a lot yeah. of NPEs doing the same thing as you, having to mm-hmm. go to family events, put on that good face for the event. and mm-hmm. act. Oh, I'm sorry you have to do that, though. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's gotten easier over the last year because I just, I don't know, I normally just bring a drink with me and call it good. <laughs> Although my mom has discussed with me how she thinks I'm an alcoholic but the reason she thinks that is because Tim, my biological dad, is was a drinker. And But if my sister has a drink, that's okay. But God mm. forbid I have one because I'm an alcoholic. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Taking the attention off of her and onto you, something yep. you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In her mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, Sydney, I really appreciate you sharing all of this. I have like so many side things I want to discuss with you off the air, especially the, the sister um, comforting of the mom thing. That's Mm -hmm. a big trigger that's (laughs) that's happening to me in my life. Um, But if people wanted to reach out to you after listening to your story today, how could they do that? Um, They could email me at um, sydneybarnes08 at yahoo.com. And I'd be happy to talk to anybody that wants to reach out. Thank you so much. I will put your email address below in the show description. And, oh, I got so much out of this, Sydney. Thank you. <laughs> I, I had some tears at oh. multiple times, and um, I just feel for you so much. And so thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you for having me, and I hope it all made sense. I know I kind of veered in a whole bunch of different directions, but I hope it made sense. Oh, no. You're really good. You're really good at telling your story. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you, Lily. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us. Thank you.